in the last few weeks, we've been talking about King David. We looked at his life a bit more closely and realized even David, the king who, um, who was a role model for all the kings who came after him, even him, he didn't start as a king. He started as a little shepherd boy. And that's what we really all got excited about in the beginning of the series. We want to grow. We want to um, um, grow in our calling that God put on our lives. We cannot be there at the end where God wants to put us. We will start there where he puts us. And we want to be excited about making one step after the other. Just to fresh up the story of David, we will get a clip. Last week we talked about the, the very famous scene where he killed Goliath. And let's go into the clip and end it there where we're going to take it for today. Things continued like this for some time until one day a Philistine giant was mocking Saul's entire <laughs> army on the battlefield. The story is relatively well known. David came along by chance, heard the mocking of the giant, decided to confront him in battle, and with God's help and slingshot, he defeated the giant. Everybody was beside themselves with excitement. And after a few more victories, Saul finally made David the commander-in-chief of his troops. Stop, there's more. Among the people, David was soon more popular than the king. Of course, the king did not like this one bit. One day, when David wanted to play the lyre to calm the king who was having a fit of raving madness, the king tried to spare him. David was able to move away, but there was a crack in their relationship from then on. David successfully won many battles for the king and became more and more popular among the people, but more and more hated by the king. After some time, things got so bad that David had to flee. He went into exile. And slowly but surely, an army formed around him. Saul's army relentlessly pursued David and his men for a long time and tried to kill him. Without David as the commander-in-chief, the Philistines were finally able to defeat Saul's army. And to avoid being arrested, Saul took his own life. <laughs> what a nice sound. Dan, can you do it again? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. So one king is down and another one is about to rise. And when we look at David's life, we realize he didn't start where he would end. He didn't start where God wanted to put him. He had to go through a different kind of challenges in his life. Today, we want to take King David's life and also have a look at the seed and a plant. When you look at the plant, it starts with a seed that goes under the earth and dies and brings fruit later on. Next week, we're going to talk about the fruit. Today, we're going to talk about the moment where the seed is above the earth in the visible area and it grows and brings fruit later on. You know, if you're down beneath under the earth, you have some enemies to get over. And as soon as you Put your head over the earth like last week. David, he put his head over the earth. When he killed Goliath, people realized, wow, this guy may be a shepherd boy, but there is some potential in him. He is a boy. God is with this boy. And he is courageous. And he goes against Goliath. 
He put his head up and people could see it. That's why he came to the court of King Saul. And King Saul got jealous. That's why he went after him. Look, when a plant gets above the earth and starts to grow, there's a new kind of enemies coming against it. Wind and weather and maybe some animals who like exactly this plant. And this is what we face in our lives as well. As soon as you show your potential, you're going to realize there's wind and weather and new kind of enemies coming against you. And this afternoon, we want to talk about it. How can I build relationships that help me get to the point where God wants to have me? Very good. Nicolin, please take us from here. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Is, it, uh, is the rest going to be to scale, actually, Rico? Is the, is the plan going to be to scale of the seed? That, that's amazing. Who's looking forward to the humongous plant? <laughs> so good. Hey, we're diving into the story of friendships. And one uh, specific friend that we want to look at is a guy called by the name of Jonathan. Let me go to our amazing screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good, eh? So Jonathan, he's the son of Saul. And we're right here. So in chapter 17, uh, David kills Goliath, and now we go into chapter 18. And then the first verse of chapter 18, Jonathan, it says that Jonathan and David became friends. They had a little bromance going on. <laughs> Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. I want to stop right here. When Jesus was asked in the New Testament, what is the greatest command? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. How cool is that? So Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And how crazy is it? He gave it to David. So Jonathan was expected to be the new, the successor of Saul. And actually, Jonathan gives him everything. And he says, you know what? I think you are the successor. I believe that you are the anointed one. And Jonathan had this amazing attitude towards David. Let's look at the next verse. Even crazier. So the next verse, it says that Jonathan told David that he will do whatever David needs from him. So Jonathan said, whatever you need from me, I will do. And this is really cool. Jonathan clearly had a serving attitude. And I don't know how you are in your friendships, but sometimes it is easy to think about yourself. Who can empathize with that? Yeah, it's pretty easy. Hey, this guy makes me feel good. Uh, he has the same hobbies as I do. Uh, he encourages me so much. I want to be friends with him. And it's so easy to fall into this. But we live in, as Christians, we are called to have a different mindset. And Jesus says, not so with you. If you want to be the greatest Christian, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the servant of all. If you want to be the greatest, you have to be everyone's slave, he even says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Let's give it up for Jesus. Yes. <clears throat> How good is that? Hey, in friendships, it's easy to focus on 
my, me, myself, and I, but we are called to be our friend's servant. How cool is that? Hey, let's look at a couple points on how, uh, what a great servant friend looks like, which Jonathan is. So we have a couple images, and one of the things is we see the potential in others. So Jonathan gave him the robe, he gave him everything, and the sword probably was too heavy because it said the sword of Saul was too heavy for David. So I assume the sword of Jonathan was as well, but he saw the potential. The next point is that you cheer each other on and make each other better. In our world, it is so easy to wait until we're impressed to give somebody a compliment. We wait until, by our standards, they do something amazing. But you know what? Let's be the kind of friends that look at progress. Hey, you know what? I know you've been struggling with this, and this is the step you made. How awesome is that? Say to your neighbor, good job. Good job, neighbor. Let's be servant friends, just like Jonathan said. Whatever you need from me, I will do. Just like Jesus says, be the, ser- the slave of all. Let's go to the next point. Celebrate success. Oh, this is so tough. Imagine Jonathan, the son of Saul, did not kill Goliath, but this little David rocks up. And Jonathan wasn't jealous, but Jonathan cheered for him. How awesome is that? What a man, what a guy, that's security. Let's cheer each other on. Next point is really great as well. Help each other to follow the call of God. You know what? Nobody in here needs more great advice. You know, it's all good. But you need to hear directly what God says for your life. Why, don't, why can't you start be the kind of friend that asks, what is God speaking to you about? And then maybe somebody says, hey, God is telling me I gotta be more patient with my wife. How awesome is that? Month later, you rock up and you ask, hey, God's been telling you be more uh, patient with your wife, how's it going with that? Let's be those kind of friends. Hey, I wanna tell you a story about a friend of mine. His name is called Phil. And uh, they're gonna show a picture. Who do you think Phil is on this picture? Guesses? Back one, who else? I knew there was someone, and you are the one. You are the one, that's awesome. (laughs) Yes, Phil is the one taking the picture. And this is not a story of how those other two guys were great friends to me. They, They were good friends for sure. It's not about how I was an awesome friend at all, but this is a story of Phil. And Phil actually was a servant friend, just like Jonathan. And when I met Phil, uh, he saw so much in me, but he barely even knew me. And he had a very busy schedule, but he told me, you know what? Why don't you come in a month? We'll go for a coffee early in the morning. And I said, yeah, of course, he saw potential in me. Then he kept asking me, hey, how is it going with this? He asked of my progress. And then when I made my first step on his standards, it wasn't impressive. I, was, I started leading the cleaning team. So that's my cleaning team over here. It was called the excellence team. <laughs> and that was my cleaning team. And he told me, you know what? If you start to be a leader, what you have to do is you have to take your team out, have a good time. And I took them out and they thought I'm a great leader, but it was all Phil. He paid for everything, he planned everything, and I could learn so much. Later, I broke my leg, I couldn't go to work anymore. Uh, I had to go to the hospital. When I came home from the hospital, my fridge was filled with food, our pantry was filled, and Phil gave us his car for a couple of weeks and took public transport to work. How crazy is that? 
And I told him, you will forever challenge me with your generosity. And then the craziest thing is my wife scratched his car parking and he didn't even complain. <laughs> so cool. Hey, you know what? Jonathan, he was a serving friend. Phil was a serving friend. Jesus calls you to be the servant of all. And that's a great ingredient for friendship. Let's scratch the car. He was very generous. <laughs> I hope he sees this. I'm gonna start with a scripture um, just a bit later that comes, and it's in 1 Samuel 22, verses one and two. And it says, David then left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. Has anybody ever been surrounded by 400 people that you suddenly decided to serve? Uh, maybe Michi. <laughs> it's pretty intense. And this is a really powerful scripture that can easily be overlooked, right? It, it's not anything that seems spectacular until you start to take it apart and you realize David is in a bad situation right now, right? He's running for his life actually at the moment and there's suddenly this huge group of people around him and instead of saying, focusing on his problems and thinking about himself, he just steps into leadership, he just steps into friendship, into relationship with these people and decides to be faithful to the people in front of him. And that's the topic I wanna to point out today, is being faithful in those communities we find ourselves in and just the people that are around us at the moment. So when I first gave my life to Jesus, um, my family was a bit of a mess at the time. And we just were really scattered all around the country, we didn't live near each other, and uh, there was no real relationship with anybody that didn't have some sort of tension and then even when I went to Bible college, uh, there was still so much that God had to do in our hearts, so much healing that needed to take place and, and growth and progress. Um, but I don't know if this means anything to you, but I am Italian-American. No Italians and no Americans in the house, okay. And that means that you know this idea of faithfulness to your family, loyalty to your family, it runs in your blood. You know, like oh, family, you know, oh, Italian family. But, Seriously, I knew for the moment, I knew at the time that this was the only family I got. They're right in front of me. They're right here right now. And I knew that at any time in my journey, I am a daughter, I am a sister, I'm a friend, I'm a housemate, I'm a workmate, I'm a church member. And maybe that speaks to a lot of you guys today as well, that you're in all these communities that maybe we didn't choose, but they're entrusted to us. For one reason or another, whether we see it as so or not, they're entrusted to us. And we're called to be faithful to those people. And David here in this scripture recognized these people, they're what I got. They're here. I don't know what I'm gonna be serving one day, but I know who I have in front of me to serve now. It's not a group I chose, but they're here. And he didn't have time even to form this amazing leadership plan. And uh, all he had to stand on was his personal relationship with God and with Jesus. And he knew the call on his life. He knew what was coming ahead in a, in a blurry way. And he decided to love those 400 people in front of him. And before that, it was the sheep. And then after it, it was a kingdom, yeah. which is pretty spectacular. And do you know 
that God has the same call on your life. First of all, aside from being faithful to people, you have a purpose and a plan on your life from God and with Jesus. And faithfulness to people around us is always wonderfully entwined in that. And if you say faithful, but I don't really, what does that look like? It looks like being loyal, trustworthy, reliable, dependable. Sometimes it looks like just not giving up hope in a relationship, praying another prayer for somebody, believing a step further, giving a small gift, giving a a hug when it's socially acceptable. (laughs) It's not complicated. It's like with, you don't need this grand, these grand gestures or this grand plan, just like with David. We just have to have the willingness to press on and believe with God for the people in front of us. And let me encourage you right now to not try and do this in your own strength. Yeah. We need Jesus to do this because it's not easy or natural to be faithful. It's easy and natural, like Nick was saying, to kind of look inward, look at ourselves and focus on that. But faithfulness is a heart position and our, a fruit of our natural self is not faithfulness, but a fruit of the Holy Spirit biblically is. And it is because we absolutely need his help to do this yeah. successfully. And it simply looks like keeping an open heart and a bent ear when the Holy Spirit says, call them, text them, just send a note, just say a prayer, forgive them. And with my family, it looked like allowing God to chip away at my bitterness to teach me about forgiveness, to take steps that were sometimes uncomfortable but had to be done in obedience. And at the time, it would have been really easy to say, well, I'm across the world, I'm at Bible college, they're doing their thing, I'm doing my thing. And for David, it would have been easy to say, someone's after me to take my life right now. I've got my own problems, <laughs> you know, not all, just all your problems as well. And I wonder if, what your excuses might be as well in your life to say, I know they're my small group, but we're not really friends. Or I know they're my work colleagues, but we're all just paid to be here. I wanna do my job and go home, you know, or whatever it is. And I just wanna challenge you a bit. Is there anybody that you have given up on? Or anybody that we've lost hope in? Or never even tried with? Because the truth is, that if we can't be faithful with what we have today, how can we ever be trusted with more? And it's a hard reality to face. And if we do get more, the thing is, how are we gonna be faithful with that more that we get when the last, because it's gonna get hard. It's like, oh, marriage, you know? Okay, not my family anymore, I'm married. That's exciting, it's amazing. I chose this man, it's perfect. But it gets hard. And if we were, ran away the last time, what are we gonna do this time? And uh, would we have even been entrusted with so much? I know that after dealing with my family, I went on to create my own family and all those lessons that I learned back then make such a difference now. And we wanna always believe that it's gonna be easier when, or I'll be faithful when, but the truth is tomorrow looks a lot like today, (laughs) unless, we change our heart position. Because the Holy Spirit, this faithfulness, this whole idea is a heart position. And the result of positioning your heart in a place of trustworthiness, faithfulness, all these words that I'm talking about. With my family, God did his part. He provided miracle and miracle and blessing on blessing. And all I did was stay open to it. And I just, even just let them come back into my life and and loved them and accepted them the way that they were, but he did the hard work. 
And with David, 400 people were blessed because of one man's decision. And not long after that, he went on to follow, to lead his kingdom. And I wonder what God has in store in your life and the people that he's put in your path and what he's preparing you for and what he's gonna do through you today to be a good friend and to build relationships and to be committed to those people in your communities. And now I'm gonna pass it over to Michi because maybe your family looks, your communities look like mine where they were broken or David's where they were rebels. He's gonna kind of talk to you about that. So, thanks. Hey, awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Very good, so we all are planted in a place. God plants you in your family. You cannot choose your family. It's just where he puts you. You are surrounded by neighbors, people at your workplace, people in the church. You are surrounded by people and you cannot choose every time. So Paige talked about it. Plan it, be encouraging to the people around you. In the life of David, what happened, he had to flee from Saul. And I want to dive into that verse again. Paige already showed it. In that verse, it says, David left Gath, and who joined him in the caves? When life comes hard after you, when wind and weather make you flee, or you actually want to flee, but you can't, who is going to join you in the cave? It says, in one hand, it's the brothers and his father's household. It's those people who love you, those people you were, you were planted, those people where he already watered the seed, those people you encouraged before, people who are around you and they love your heart and they know who you are. Even when Saul said, we go after this guy and he was the king, all Israel was chasing after him. It's the brothers and the family who still know who David really is. And then there's another group that joined him, and Paige already, already talked about it a little bit. There were people who were in distress, or people who were in debt, or discontented. They gathered around him. Wow, <laughs> what a great army, actually, yeah? 400 strange, bitter people who gathered around David, and they were hoping to find someone after their heart. You know, the family knew the heart of David. It was a heart that God loved. And even though Saul said his heart is not right, his family knew his heart is right. And the second group of people who joined him, the 400, they hoped to find a guy who was like their heart, bitter, in debt, like in big trouble. And they hoped if they would join him, they would build an army and put Israel upside down. You know, they were excited. They were excited to to make Saul fall and take over and do a revolution together with David. They thought he was what people said he was. They didn't know his heart. They just saw what people said about him. When we get in trouble in our lives, when we are hurt, Hurt people are just around the corner. They want to join. They want to join what you hurt, where you are hurt. Overcome your pain because hurt people will join you and it's going to be worse and worse and worse. The question when we get in trouble is, who are we going after? What voice are we listening to when we are hurt in our heart? 
The 400 people in the cave, they had to decide whether they would be, uh, start a riot against Saul or David and his people, they could decide to still serve God and still serve the purpose of Israel. And it says in the verse, who was the leader? I mean, with 400 hurt people, the leader has to be, uh, uh, has to be, um, what, how can I say it? Has to be determined first. You have to say who is the leader. So in this word it says, um, and he became their commander. David in the cave, he is a prophetic figure for Jesus. Jesus gathers hurt people around him, yeah. like you and me. This is actually church. The verse is talking about church. We are all hurt, we are in debt, we are in trouble, and Jesus is the answer. And it's all about what voice are we listening to when we are hurt. I wanna show it in the picture of the plant. When you face wind and weather, people are coming against you, you are getting hurt, you are getting discouraged. What are you allowing to fall, sink down deep into the roots of your life? What is the root of your life? It's your heart. You see, we have a downward spiral happening in our life when people are gonna lie about you. That's what I went through the last month. There was one church and they talked in public. They said, told lies about me in public. I had people telling me throughout the last years over and over again, I'm not interested in what you think because you're a pastor. Or I already think before you talk, I already know what you wanna say. And that hurt me a lot because people didn't want to hear what is in my heart. They just thought they know what's in my heart, like David. So when you are hurt in your life, the downward spiral is gonna happen. You're discouraged, you're hurt, and it wants to think, sink down in your heart. And the problem is if you let it sink in your heart, it will take roots in your life, and from the roots, you will bring bad fruit. Hurt people, hurt people. So take, guard your heart. That's what the Bible says. Guard your heart, because from the heart, your life comes. It's very important that we guard our hearts. You see it in the verse uh, in, um, I don't know in English, Brüche 4. Proverbs 4. Maybe you see the verse somewhere. Guard your heart because from the heart there will come the life in your, in your life. Yeah. It's very important that we guard our heart. Yeah. You know, that's one side of the story. The other side of the story, we are not only victims, we are only predators. Also predators, that's the right word, right? Yeah. I learned it from Nicolene and Page. <laughs> we are also predators, every one of us. We are also people who hurt other people. And I ask one of our pastors, Christo uh, Gerber, she, she will talk about it, how I hurt her throughout the last years because I was the leader and she was hurt by what I was saying or doing in her life. Listen to her. Okay, Michi, you are my pastor, you are my leader. And over the last few years, we've been doing church together. There have been a few situations where I really got disappointed or hurt by you. But still, I am here and we are doing church together. So why is this? 
And let's, I would say there were times where I really was um, sad and disappointed and even sometimes angry. But then I would come up to you and, and talk to you about the situation. And for me, I would always go on from there and not stay there with my disappointment and try to find a way. And for me, actually, that's what community is all about, is not to have the really perfect community, but to be honest and real in community with each other. Yeah, well, it's true. <laughs> it happens here too. It happens to me. Today we, we uh, walk uh, shoulder by shoulder. We build church together. We are friends. We are still friends and we still hurt each other and we forgive each other. That's what, it, what church is all about. We live around the King who is Jesus. And he is the one who gathers the hurt. He's the one who heals the hurt. And if you want to be healed, just gather around Jesus. And you know, in the story of David, at the end of his life, there, was a, there is a list where it lists David's heroes. And this is the same people we just got to know as the hurt ones. They gathered around him, but at the end of the story, they were the heroes of Israel. This is what Jesus has in mind about you and me, about church. We are hurt like anybody else. But the difference is that when we guard our heart, it means we bring our pain to Jesus, our frustration where we are hurt from other people, we can forgive so that out of our heart, out of our roots, there will be good fruit that worships Jesus. And people around you will eat that fruit and say, wow, it tastes like Jesus. That's what you and me, what we are called for. Jesus can heal.